Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Corey Phone, Isis, and Sarah. Corey Smith could not be with, here with us tonight. And, um, yeah, maybe maybe we're the worst for it. Maybe we're not. We'll see how the night goes. Anyway, um, let's talk about Game of Thrones episode 804, and let's see how... Uh, we each kind of felt about it. Like, Corison, I'll let you kind of lead off. You've got some notes on it. You kind of felt really, really strong about it. So give me right out of the gate, what were your thoughts of this episode? Who, buddy? Uh, I am not one for – okay, I am one for hyperbole. But <laughs> there's – I'm not the most hyperbolic person in the world. So when I tell you this might be the worst episode of Game of Thrones ever – I, I need you to know that I, I mean that, wow. and, it, and I I can't think – it's up there. It's probably when the dust settles and I look back on it, it's not going to be as bad of an episode as some of the other ones, especially from season – was it five? That everyone was like, oh, that kind of was a shit show except for that one Sand episode. Sand Snakes. Yeah, Sand Snakes. And I was, you know, Delman Louising off the walls, all that stuff, you know, because that season like really leaned on off-screen stuff and everything. Um, it might not be as bad as that, but, uh, the fact that we're this close to the ending is the problem. And this, this, this episode was a problem. (laughs) We'll get more into it. Yeah. I sat down and took, like you said, I I have bullet points here. It's titled shit that pissed me off is a thing it says at the top. And I have, I think 15 bullet points here. It's a full page. (laughs) It's stream of conscious. It's not in any particular order. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that everyone's going to have issues with the episode in some way just because it it felt really rushed and out of place for a lot of characters. And they they just if they needed more time to do some of the stuff they did, I'm sure we're going to get into it. But yeah, yeah, well, let's talk about that, Sarah. Um, how did like we, we started things off at Winterfell with the burials, and that was a nice moment because Mia Clark and Sophie Turner really sold their moments. Mm-hmm. It was really beautiful. Walk me through that. Well, I mean, the the whole episode overall made me feel very emotionally weighed down. If If that makes any sort of sense, I still have a really strange feeling in my chest nearly 24 hours after watching it. Um, I have to agree with um, Corey regarding the episode not giving people enough time, like certain characters enough time to react appropriately or process certain pieces of information like, um, I- I'm going to just skip right ahead to Sansa and Arya finding out that John was a Targaryen where was the reaction to that? Son exactly. of a bitch do, do they, are they not owed after over seven years of this show and and all of us as an audience having waited so long for them to be reunited because we're constantly being told, you know, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. And now they're finally a pack. We don't get to see them be a pack at the most crucial moments in their, their family's history. Now, that's a huge moment for Sansa and Arya. And I get that a lot of Arya's reactions are internalized now because she's a less vocal character than she used to be. But I mean, we got we got nothing nothing whatsoever we th- there was absolutely no payoff it just there wasn't away. even a half payoff kid no. didn't even deliver the line he told brand to tell him and then it cut 
I know. I, I mean, okay, I guess we got that scene of Sansa sort of standing on the battlements or the ramparts or whatever, watching the Unsullied and, and considering whether or not she was going to tell Tyrion. But you know me, and you know how I am with my girl Arya, and nothing, no reaction. I didn't get to see any of that, and it it, it really upset me. As a, as a Stark fan, first and foremost, I mean, three of my top five favorite characters are all Starks, and I'm so invested in them, and that, that really pissed me off. It really pissed me off. Isis, it really kind of cheapened the story, like Sarah's saying. Like, uh, you know, like we didn't get the big moment that we've all, but that really, there really is a payoff here. And, Phone, I know you've got some thoughts about this, but I want to ask Isis um, did, did you need to hear their response to this? Um, did you need to hear? John deliver it instead of me instead of handing it off to to Bran, like like John needs to be the one that tells his siblings that he's actually a full blooded Targaryen and yeah he's got Stark blood but he's a Targaryen also. Uh, you know what I I have to say this if it came from Bran who I think we've all accepted and, and so have the Starks accepted that he has this crazy power that he can see into the past and into the future and nobody really questions it like brand is brand i think i remember there was like one episode you know brand is is brand or doing brand things or something like that to the effect um i don't really care who delivered it i I think it just made sense it would be brand um because i think there would be you know like well who told you that? And this, and you know, uh, wh- where's your proof? And and whatever, at least from Sansa's part. Um, so it doesn't b- bother me, but it does bother me that none of the reaction, you know, as far as the siblings, how they accepted it, because we saw how John took it, and I think even at one point, I I could love, I would love to have seen some humanity from uh, Sansa and Arya, like. How are you feeling about this, John? Everything, because your whole entire life has just been rocked right now. I mean, forget about how I'm feeling, but being there for John because this has completely shake, shaked his world up. Um, and then and nobody's done and that it. yet. Nobody, no, nobody, no, nobody has been there for him. The only, the, the closest that he got to that was Sam a little bit um, when Sam was breaking the news, but really no one has, he hasn't been able to um, fully, you know, talk about what he has learned and how he feels about that. All he's heard is, you know what? Danny doesn't want me to talk about it. Um, You know, I can't tell anybody right now. This is, you know, we just had this battle and everything. And the two, you know, the, the people that he that know about it is is you know Bran and he's really not really communicative. Um, I, I just really felt like that was a really key moment to show some fa- family togetherness and for the Starks to because he is still part Stark, he is still half Stark um, to show that you know what we're we're there for you. We we understand this is going on. This is very confusing time for you right now. Um, but we're going to be there for you to work through this. And we never got any of that. So again, John is on his own. I'm kind of worried that this was the episode that we said goodbye to Winterfell. I'm not saying we won't ever see it again in the next two episodes, 
Like we might see like an aerial shot or what's going on. Maybe maybe Sansa ruling Winterfell as a lady of Winterfell. Corythone, this kind of felt like a like I don't think we're gonna see Tormund ever again. I I have a feeling we might see Sam again, but like we're not gonna see Ghost again. This was Ghost last episode, and that this and I know we make a lot of jokes about how I how I'm always pissed off that Ghost is never included in the episodes, and when he is. He's not John never pays him any goddamn attention. My biggest problem with this is this just goes along with our entire story. The cutting away of of what it is to mean what it means to be a Stark, right? John, besides besides the fact that Nymeria is out there somewhere, John was the last Stark with the dire wolf that was actively uh around all the time. And now he pretty much just said, Yeah, you know, he's missing an ear now. He looks beat to hell. You take him back to the North Tormund. He doesn't belong in the South. Did this feel like a saying goodbye to Winterfell to you? Yeah, it did. I think he he's saying goodbye to a lot of things. And he, you know, he got Ghost, the, if I remember correctly, the runt of the litter of the direwolves. They found him, like, last minute. It was kind of like yep. a, you know, I remember that, that scene. And... It was it was a gift from his dad, but Ned wasn't his dad, and I think he's, you know, this is all stuff that they really could have, if they'd have had, I don't know, two or three more episodes, could have maybe explained <laughs> a little better. Uh, I don't understand for a fucking second the Wildlings leaving or even being allowed to leave. Like, we kind of need you guys, like a lot. And uh, of course, right? I don't know how many of them are. I don't know how many of them are left, but they really can't afford to lose anyone. Uh, uh, get like, why in the shit would you go back to the? Fr- like, we need room to wander. What are you, a cowboy? Like, shut up. There's uh, there's so much room <laughs> around here now. Literally half the country's dead. Go walk around out there. Find a place to settle. Like. Come on. Like what are you what are you gonna go back all the way to, to Hard Home? Why? Why would you go back to that? It doesn't and they've make any made sense. a point they've made a point like there are a lot of castles that are unpopulated. So uh, many. Scarhold, uh the Bolton's Fort, whatever. You tell me why fort, the Lashkar. wildlings don't get Bear Island. You tell me Amen. why. That is the perfect place for Tormund. And I even and I'm not even a book reader and I know that Tormund is a fan of Bear Island. And like it's it's seriously it's it that and was let the me perf- let me push my nerd glasses up on my nose really quick. Bear Island was taken from the wildlings by a Mormont. Isn't that right, Sarah? Am I reading if I remember, if I remember that correctly? I think so, yeah. I haven't read the books in quite a while. There was like a wrestling match and the Mormont <laughs> beat the king the king beyond the wall for Bear Island. That's such a fucking Mormon thing to do, by the way. But I mean, no, I, I, the only sort of justification I could think of for what John has done in this episode is, I mean, is the show trying to tell us that he's like making bad choices because of his devotion to Daenerys? Are they really trying to hammer that point home? Like, oh, look, he's left his wolf. The wildlings are going north without him, even though he... It probably feels more akin to them than anybody else at the moment. Um, he's leaving Winterfell behind. He's leaving behind people he loves. You're supposed to worry about it. Maybe this is the desired effect. This is Maybe this is what they're trying to make us feel. 
but I don't know. It wasn't executed very well. And you know, it was it was it was um, telegraphed. Like my wife, I, she doesn't like the, the spoilers, and, and unless she knows there's something really juicy out there that I'm acting crazy about, she doesn't like spoilers. And the moment some when Tormund asked if he wasn't why he wasn't riding the dragon, and John said Rhaegal needed a break, my wife goes, "Rhaegal's gonna die this episode." Mm. It was telegraphed. Yeah. Yeah, they do like to slap us in the face with information sometimes and then completely withhold other vital information at other times. Like uh, how any of the Starks reacted to John's parentage. Would have been nice to know. Let's talk about the way each sibling may have reacted because basically we're kind of left to our own devices here, right? So obviously Sansa broke a swear, right? She told Tyrion. And I think it's a cool and calculated move on Sansa's part. And honestly, I don't blame her. If she wants her brother on the throne instead of Danny, this was absolutely the right move. And I know a lot of people won't agree. It's, it's not a popular opinion. I and agree. As, as Sarah can tell everybody out there in internet land, I am I'm I'm not I, I I'm usually on Team Danny. I usually defend Danny. Um, they've written her terribly this season, in my opinion. But I think that if Sans, I think Sans is playing a very smart game. The Game of Thrones. She's actually playing the actual Game of Thrones from Winterfell, and I think that the best way to plant seeds of doubt is to tell Tyrion, who tells Varys, who said it again. This is telegraphed on the boat. Well, now that eight people know, a hundred people are going to know. Phone. Again, this is more telegraphing bullshit and just another example of bad writing. Please tell me this is in some of your bullet points. Oh, yeah. No, I I had several thoughts about how the Starks acted this episode. Mostly the, the highlight in bold is Starks are now the bad guys. Like Amen. They're, they're just bad. They're bad people. They're, they're backbiting their family. They are lying to their family. They're not being honest with their family. Uh, and, and the one person who you know, decided to be honest, it's going to end up costing him what he would prefer. Uh, like Sansa wants John on the throne. She doesn't trust Danny. I don't fucking know why she doesn't trust Danny. They've done a real shit job, except, you know, this episode, Danny made a really bad decision, but, uh, you know, so did literally everyone else. So she's not in which, which decision was hers. The one about begging him not to tell everybody. Or no, Danny- that was, I hate that scene. That's a different bullet point, but no, the bad decision was, uh, like marching south so quickly. Oh yeah, so quickly. Like, Absolutely. That was that was a bad decision. Sansa was 100% right. Now, she could have been less bitchy about how she said it, but she was 100% right because again, they the the backbiting, the the snide comments back and forth, it just it's too much. It's absurd. It's petulant. This was going on there between two people that up until like right now were smart you know, women who they they have made mistakes, but they have both learned from them. And and to watch them struggle with any just sort of kind of diplomacy is is maddening. But you know, Sansa truly that she would have responded if we just seen her response. I guess we would have known uh, that she was going to tell somebody immediately because she probably would have just like started laughing and and ran away to be like screaming it with a fucking bullhorn like she 
that's that's why I don't I don't know why they chose to do it off screen. It's it's one of you know anytime Game of Thrones starts doing shit off screen, that's when you know it's going to be a bad episode. And this was Stannis is a great example. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't understand. There's a lot I don't understand. We'll get more into like the Danny stuff because there's a lot of Danny shit I don't understand either. But I, I guess with Sansa, they're trying to turn her into, oh, look what she learned from Littlefinger. She learned how to be, like, political and maneuvering. It's like, yeah, except she's just fucking over her brother right now. Like, there's still a war that's about to be fought. Like, what do you gain by sowing discord between, you know, allies at this very moment? Unless your end goal is for yourself to be on the throne when it's all said and done. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, so if I can jump in here. Yeah, go ahead. I, you know, you know, I I kind I agree with you. Um, you know, again, Sansa, we didn't see how she reacted to the news, whether it was like, you know, she did an evil laugh and um, or or you know, after being told um of John's parentage or or whatever the case may be, we have to just kind of surmise that the fact that she, you know, we see her on the ramparts, she tells Tyrion, she looked like she was struggling for like a half a second on whether or not to tell him or not. Um, but again, she, it was, it, I will agree with you. She made the right choice as far as telling Danny, Hey, you might want to throttle back. You know, these people just killed them, literally killed themselves, um, trying to save these other people. And, um, and anyway, it, it, she was right in that. And then it, it was like, almost like, you know, they both had big dicks and they wanted to show who had the bigger dick. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, Danny won this one, which I think it was a mistake that would, of what she, what she did. I do think that there are sizing Sansa up to be, um, to try to make her seem like she's the smartest person in the room, um, right now, you know, cause she scored one, um, out of, out of a couple, I will admit that she has scored a couple in the, in the cycle of this, uh, this TV show, but I, I, again, she, they talk about we're family, we're family in that whole scene, you know, you know, the, the pack survives all of this stuff. And then she immediately, you know, betrays them. I don't think it's because she she genuinely feels like um, um, varies who says I'm always going to do what's best for the country. And I think that Sansa genuinely believes that John is better for the seven kingdoms um, than Danny is. And, you know, she's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm, I've seen too much war. I've seen too much ugliness. I've seen all of this happen. I'm going to have to go ahead and make a play. I don't really think it comes from a selfish place. I really don't. Um, maybe it may be a little bit selfish because she, maybe she wants some freedom for Winterfell. And if John is the king, she knows that well, they will taught her though. That's the thing. And you have to say, but that's um, the thing is that I think that Littlefinger did things to, for his personal gain. I don't think that Sansa. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't believe <laughs> Sansa is doing it for personal gain for her. I think it's. it's I don't believe she is either. Yeah. So, I, but I they've mean, done a shit job of showing that, and I know that like yes. they've done a bad job. Like it looks. Sell. That's that's the whole point. Is that I understand where they're building it's just they're building it on a foundation of sand and they they don't have they haven't done a good job of showing why sansa 
is acting this way. Like even Arya had to look at her in that scene and say, you know, Danny was pretty important in this whole like battle thing. And she just didn't even say like, yeah, you're right. She just looked at her like, shut <laughs> up. Like what the, why, why is, why are you so well, again, you know, what is she? And I, I, I know that I, I, I Sarah is going to, yeah, Sarah definitely. Well, uh, I, I just, have, I, I just want to present things from Sansa's perspective for a moment because Sansa had never met this woman before. She comes into Winterfell with her armies and her dragons. She was patronizing towards her. She refused to recognize the North as an independent nation when she won the Seven Kingdoms, which is hugely important to Sansa and the Starks and the rest of the North. She referred to the war against the White Walkers as your brother's war. And that really grated on me because you know how That's the Starks are point. with Dewey. The Starks are all about doing their duty. And if Daenerys wants to be queen of the Seven Kingdoms, she cannot pick who in the Seven Kingdoms is owed her support and her protection and who she's willing to give her support and protection to as a favor. She wants to be queen of the Seven Kingdoms. That was her goddamn war too. Not his war, her war. But But she referred to it as John's war. And I can completely understand from Sansa's perspective why that would have been annoying. She expects special praise for offering her armies and her dragons when she didn't do anything that nobody else in that war did. Everybody offered every single thing that they had to defeat the White Walkers. And yet every single person besides her was getting praised by everyone in the hall except for her. She's held to a higher standard. That's not Sansa's fault. It's not Sansa's fault. I'm not not blaming Sansa. This is the North. And then she's standing there willing to ride her battle-weary, injured armies and dragons and friends down south just so she can sit on a throne, and I completely understand why Sansa is upset. Now, on top of all of this, Sansa knows that her brother, who, let's be honest, isn't the brightest button in the box, is in love with Daenerys. So on top of all of this, she's thinking he's being manipulated. He can't think properly. She from her perspective, I think, is trying to do his thinking for him because she cannot rely on his sense of reason because he's in love with the woman. And that is a fair point. I think she is fighting with every tool in her arsenal to protect her family, to protect the North. I think she sees Sansa as a threat. Not Sansa, Daenerys. She sees Daenerys as a threat. And yes, she broke a promise. But you know what? Her father was loyal and honorable to a fault, and look where it got him. I think you have to break eggs to make an omelette, and if that omelette is a monarch who isn't an absolute psychopath, then I'm behind her. I'm All right, fine. I, I'm glad you I said that because like... I have to ask this question. What has she done in front of Sansa or anyone else in the North that makes them think that make them think in any way that she is not mentally stable? She is obsessed with the throne. That is not to mental instability. She else. is she is trying she has... to get the throne. That's not mental. I mean, I'm talking they if they're going to build the mad queen shit, which clearly they are. Like what has she done at this point, not just for Sansa, but for Varys and Tyrion and the rest to to think that she is not mentally stable. She has not shown a single shred of mental instability. She is constantly needing to be told to not push the big red button. By somebody who, so you when just she said, can, if you're going to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. So yeah. again, again, Danny is held to a different is a bit standard. Different. Telling your brother's secret is a bit different to coming back to Marine and telling saying, I'm going to burn an entire armada when I need ships and Tyrion it's having to tell going her, oh, hey, to get you might need those killed. ships. Sansa is going to be responsible for the death of a lot of people because she's the one who leaked that secret out from the family. And it's going to cause a battle that, between that's people. Sansa cannot be held responsible for Daenerys' decision to burn people. That is not her decision. No, that is but she, on can, she, she can be held responsible for telling a secret 
that John swore her not to tell because he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to be on the throne. She is forcing his hand to do something that he does not want to do. And how? And and this is a family member. How fair is that? I mean, he does not. He he has said time and time again, he does not want to be any part of the of the king or whatever the case may be. Uh, unfortunately, this whole story was told off screen, so we don't know if he relayed that. But I don't think that at any no, it's, anyone. It's not fair. It's, it's not fair at all, but they don't live in a fair world, and Sansa is frightened for okay, her family. So, but she you're trust okay. Yeah, I, okay, I just, but you're I feel... okay. Go ahead. Go Isis. ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I just, I feel like, like everyone has been not just right now, but has been this whole show holding Daenerys to a higher standard than they hold any other leader in the show. Everybody we've already, else gets a pass. We've already Daenerys. said that yep. Cersei, for example, we've already said that Cersei. We might have said it before we were on the podcast, but it was a, it was a good point that Cersei is a better like battle planner than Danny and John. Well, it's because she doesn't care if she's like Ramsey. She doesn't care if she kills her own people. Yeah, or so she citizens. shouldn't be the queen either. Right. And that's fair, but she doesn't get that. Nobody holds that standard for her. Nobody holds a standard for John. Nobody holds a standard for uh, even Sansa, where it's like, you have to, not do this thing that is the most obvious thing. You have to do this other thing that everyone else is telling you to do. And if you don't do it, you're a lunatic. She's the Hillary Clinton of Westeros. Danny needs to be Danny. <laughs> Let Bartlett be Bartlett, right? Well, Let if Danny, Danny needs Danny. to be Danny, then people are going to get burned to death. People so, are going to get burned to death no matter what because this war has gotten This war has gotten amplified. Cersei's going to put innocent civilians between her and Danny. Danny is, you know, probably going to do her best to not kill them. But the fact is, like you said, omelets get broken eggs, whatever the thing is. But there's seriously, the whole point is uh, Danny is trying. She has made every effort since she got to Winterfell. She's tried. She sat down with Sansa. She talked with John. She's talked with her advisor. She listened to all of her advisors who told her, don't go to King's Landing, go to Dragonstone first. And then what happens? A dragon gets killed. Her fleet gets destroyed again because of poor planning by everyone in that room. And it, it's just another example of her not, what was it that uh, Olena said? Be a dragon? Her not being a dragon. Be like, a I, dragon, yes. I just, okay, I but think, you know, Elena was manipulating her so that she'd wreak havoc on Cersei. Elena kind of feels like Sansa's manipulating John and everybody else, though, too, just yes. like everyone else is. Thank so you. it's like everyone's well, I, doing. Okay, it. Let, let me speak to this point because I'm, I'm, I'm in, a, I'm in the middle of this. You guys know how I've felt about Sansa for a long time now, but when you have Sansa on one side and Danny on the other side, I see both points because I think it's an absolute compliment to say that Sansa is manipulating John like Elena manipulated Danny. Um, and I'm not saying she's doing it out of, out of maliciousness. I'm just saying that Sansa sees an opening for her family, for the North's independence. And if she has to push her knuckleheaded brother in a certain direction, then she is. But the thing here's my problem. The show should own it. That's Instead the of, biggest issue. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yes. because, because what they did in the dining scene and what they've done throughout the show is they're showing – Oh, look how isolated and alone Daenerys is. And you feel bad for her because, like, while everybody else is partying with their friends, her friends are dead because she fought John's war. She fought the war in the north first. 
She fought for humanity. She lost a dragon and then another dragon this episode. But this was before that. But still, lost a dragon and about 70% of her, of her army. And not only that, even though she did all that, she's still getting backbit by the Starks, by Sansa, by other people in the North. And now, for some fucking reason, Tyrion and Varys are like, well, I wonder if she's stable enough to be a leader, even though all she's done is the very thing people have asked her to do. Well, she's she done it, and she's let's done talk it with a smile that. on her face. She hasn't been happy about it, but she went into battle, and then John drops a stupid Ned Starkian bombshell right before the battle. She still goes into battle. <laughs> she loses about 70% of her army, and she keeps her promise to the north. Now, granted, there's still tension there, and I feel like good prolonged writing, we could have gotten more diplomatic conversation between Sansa and Danny that would have hammered it out, but instead we have her – Small council, the only two people left on her council, Varys and Tyrion, discussing if she's mentally stable right now for on what grounds she has not done. Every time she's like, we know I could just kill everybody. They're like, hey, but don't. And she's like, "Okay, I won't like that. Even even on this episode, she gave Cersei one last chance. Okay, I'll walk up to the gates and give her a chance to give me Sunday back and give her I'll give her a chance to uh, to give up the crown. One last chance, because. Let's just be honest here. I don't know where Danny learned dragon riding skills, but she fucking sucks at it. Number one. Second, when she does figure out how to ride Drogon, which like we see in the trailer for the next episode, and she's basically flying from the sun down on top of Euron, that's how you do it. That's how you fucking do. That's that's how you wreck stuff. So she's learned. I don't understand that why they didn't swoop around the back of the ships and then burn them. I, I was, yeah, same tell here. me but, how but let's not let's, hold. Hold on a second. Let's not even get into that. I mean, I think we we still have some other stuff that that happened at Winterfield that we need to get through. Um, okay, well, so, before we do, I, let me say something really quick. I love the passion from you guys, Sarah. But you you, I love it. <laughs> it's great. No, no, for for too long I, now. Let me say because I felt like I may have came off like an asshole. That my the reason that I'm sad and passionate about it is because I used to be so anti Sansa. I just thought she was so annoying for several Same seasons. Here. Same and here. And they did such an, – she, Sophie Turner, and the writers did such a great fucking job building that character up and, and you know, into the into what she became, the Lady of Winterfell. And I am just so annoyed that they have not just Sansa. They've boiled down characters, but particularly the female characters, it seems, into kind of one-note we only got four episodes left, so just one-note machines. It's just like you said, Sarah. She talks about the throne all the time. Seems kind of out of place and strange. It's almost like the writing sucks. Like they – just like with Sansa, all she does is is, is snippet about Danny. And you know Danny. who wrote these episodes, right? These last episodes? Benny Off and Weiss. Oh, I was going to say Bozo the Clown and fucking Andrew Dice Clay. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just – it's well, sad to me that – I was in a... Can I just say one thing as well? Because obviously I've been anti-Daenerys for a while. And I do just want to make the point, for the sake of fairness, my favorite character is Arya. If she wanted to be queen, I wouldn't like her anymore. Because if you've got a queen who is constantly having to have her worst impulses, and her worst impulses are set people on fire, checked, is that not such a low bar that you're working to? Is there no other option where there's a monarch who doesn't have to be told constantly, don't kill people? The reason why I don't like Daenerys is because she wants to be queen, and I don't think she should be. Because I I like characters who know what they are, and 
know what they're good at and that's my main problem with Daenerys it the, yeah. the idea of her being on the throne when she's constantly being told please don't go and burn people and she's running out of people who were there to act as a conscience it just scares me I I hate the idea of the show ending with a ruler like that when we could have somebody who was reasoned and just and as Sansa said to Arya in season seven chopping off heads might feel good but it's not going to make people work together <laughs> so I am trying to be fair so yeah. well, I just want to make that point I, I, no and I and I appreciate that but you know uh, being that, and, and maybe it's because I live in the United States and American politics is like you know, a perpetual dumpster fire. It's a fucking reality uh, show. Yeah, it is, it is literally, what you're talking about is the reality that we live in. There's, gonna, there's a reality that not every person who's going to be in power is going to be great or that you're going to agree with them 100% of the time, you know, but it's the reality, and you have to get through those bad rulers. And sometimes they're 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 bad ones, you know, people in charge that are, you know, their their you know severity of how bad they are, you know. Um, but it's, you're not it, always it's interesting. What you're saying, Isis, because the and what Sarah said, because both of you are getting to the same point that the only person in the show that hasn't done something heinous is John. That well that that is that has a shot to be king I guess I should yeah. say king or queen and so that is probably why John won't end up on the throne <laughs> it's because the honestly because so, fucking just... emails because yeah, it's, it's fucking emails yeah but have you where are his emails at listen Dorn <laughs> if you're listening release Jon Snow's emails <laughs> I I want to see those damn emails I release them now no but seriously I mean I'm just trying to look at it and and think about it from um you know just an Amer just just politics uh real live world politics is that not every person that's going to be sitting in in a position of power is going to be great there are going to be some good things about them there are going to be some bad things about them there some people are just going to be fucking awful um it is what it is and i think that is more reality of someone who you may not like Daenerys or may not agree with and everything but a person like that could be in charge and and what's going to happen and, and to have people around them um, or, you know, may have somebody like John who's in charge, who may have a good heart, may be kind, may be brave and everything, but is like. Not, what did you say? Not uh, is a is a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic or something. Yeah, he's not the smartest. Snack yeah, by not the crispest biscuit in the tin. <laughs> yes, yes. So you know, again, so you ha those things ha happen, and and I just I, that's what I want to get to. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that that for um uh, Daenerys, she really. You know, again, she doesn't get a lot of credit for things, and I felt like she needed to get credit. I felt like when she called up Gendry, I think all, everybody's butt puckered. Um, like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. What's Gendry? She Gendry is about to get it. I don't know why. Um, but the it's, fact it's that It's Gendry. She... I'm sorry. It's Gendry. It, it's pronounced Gendry. Sorry. That's okay, in crazy. A, <laughs> in, look, in, a, in America, in America, we're going to call him Gendry. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say Gendry. <laughs> Um, Thank you, Dory. So, so, so anyway, I would never presume I mean, listen, to correct John, ISIS. I'm uh, I, I'm afraid of ISIS, so I would never presume to correct her. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember David. Look, you and... know what? It, 
if da- David Benny, uh, uh, David was it Benny Benny Off and Weiss, Weiss or whatever? And yeah, they what did they called they called it they called uh Masande. No, no, no. They did not call her that on the excerpts this week, this past week. Yeah, they week. mispronounced her name. I they saw mispronounced that. her name. And I'm like, well, you know what? If they write the damn show and they mispronounce and left, her name, and I can mispronounce anybody's fucking name on this thing. Do you remember in season anyway. two? Do you remember in season two when Laura Terrell said Tyrell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that still gets me, man. I just, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like the the whole problem with the show right now is that they're rushed and it's, it's just lack of nuance. Yeah. And it really makes me scared because yeah, the next um, show is called Confederate. Shouldn't Gundry's surname be Gundry Waters as well? Yeah, I think he's not a Riverlands right. bastard. So he's like, I'm not Gundry Rivers anymore. I was like, you never were a mate. That's a great point. Yeah, right. I didn't understand that either. But anyway, my point was is that she could see that the tone of the room um, was really down. And, you know, she not that she wanted them to celebrate that we were still that they were still alive. And and she saw that as something that she needed to do to kind of draw. Not that we need to like, yes, we need to mourn the people who we lost, but we live to fight another day. And um, and I felt like that that was really telling because there was a definite shift after that happened when, when she had that conversation with Gendry, um, Gendry and um, whatever, uh, Arya. Biceps, biceps it, McGee. But I, I'm just I'm just saying it's Arya's booty call. Um, hey, do you, guys, so, do, you guys, do you guys smell that? This smell like Axe body spray and Johnson and Johnson baby powder. Corey Smith, are you on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking just killed any train of thought I had trying to imagine what that smells like. Hey, Corey Smith, I gotta ask you a question though. Are you fresh off Fuck Mountain? <sighs> oh God. Uh, are you referring to Jamie and uh, Brienne's trip to Fuck Mountain, or you have to ask? Wait, wait. First of all, you have to say TM after Fuck Mountain, and you have to ask Sarah's permission to use it. Is all I'm saying. And pay and pay royalties. Oh yeah, because I said last week that I was really happy that the Night King got killed by an 18 year old girl who just come down from Fuck Mountain, and I'm very disappointed that she did not go back there again. I'm disappointed she didn't go back there. I'm not at all disappointed that she didn't want to settle down and and have kids. Um, I love the callback to the conversation she had with Ned um, in season one. um, It's what she said to her wolf. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's carried that theme. But, I mean, it started with, with Ned. Um, when they had that conversation where she's sitting, they're sitting on the steps and, you know, and they're, they're talking about Bran and how, you know, he can't be a knight anymore and that she's going to grow up and be a lady and raise kids and da, da, da. And she's like, no, that's not me. And I, I don't see her. I, (coughs) I think if you asked before the season, sorry, that Arya and Gendry, I mean, it makes sense on paper, right? But you know they they have a shared history. He's not he doesn't have the 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 pretense the pretension that a lot of other lords have. You know because he just became one, so he wouldn't maybe expect the same pretension. Look, what were his knees really fucked up? I, or did he have like really a, a really bad back? <laughs> <I'm not laughs> <hypertension. laughs> 
hypertension? You mean like I'm just saying I, he's not going to be stuck up like a lot of the other lords and expect her to be a certain way. I'm not but like even, other guys. But even still, I don't see. I mean, Arya is just not going to settle down. That's not her. That's not the life she wants. She doesn't want uh, a house and kids and everything that like that. She wants to be who she is, and she's known from a very young age that that's not what she wants. So okay. that was that was one of the few things I liked about this episode. Okay, but uh, Sarah, I know you have loads of thoughts mm-hmm. on this. Um, I like the genuine excitement that Arya had for Gendry whenever she found out that he was made Lord. He was legitimized and made Lord of Storm's End. And I, to me, it felt like there was a moment where she considered it. Am I wrong? Oh, I, I totally agree with you. So, okay. Here's the thing. I have a lot of thoughts on Arya. Um, you know that I want her arc to end with her abandoning her kill list and choosing life, whatever that means for her. Um, nothing she did in this episode seemed off to me. I completely expected her to do what she did. What really broke my heart was that when he was telling her, I think you're beautiful and I love you, she looked so happy because I think she does love him too. And I think he frightened her because that, that first of all, that's a lot. Like you sleep with somebody once and then you're like, marry me. That That is a whole lot of shit. <laughs> Pile on someone. Gendry's the guy who like texts you like a thousand times after, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, the poor girl well, I mean, has just like learned that she's a prophesized heroine. She's she saved the world. I don't think she particularly feels that she is deserving of a, like heroin status. I don't really think that she sees much good in herself anymore. I don't think she sees love as a viable path for her. I think she's so immersed in this darkness that she has and I feel like after what she went through last week she would be incredibly confused so it made sense to me that she turned him down I still have hope for them though I will continue to have hope for them until this season ends and I am proved wrong but my thoughts are so moving on from the proposal which just oh my god it broke my damn heart but when she meets the hound and they're traveling south and she said to him that she doesn't expect to ever come back. To me, what that meant was she was telling him that she is expecting to die for the sake of vengeance. And for the Hound's part, because firstly, he obviously is aware of this thing that she has going on with Gendry. And also because a lot of that darkness in her was cultivated by him in the first place. And he has obviously lived this hate-filled life and he is going down to King's Landing to kill his brother. I am relying on him to snap her out of that shit because he loves her like she's his daughter. I don't think he wants her to live this horribly dark, angry life of vengeance. I don't think he wants her to die. And I have been predicting for a while that he will fight the mountain, he will kill the mountain, he will be fatally wounded, and she will have to mercy kill him in a callback to season four. But this time she'll do it. And I I hope that if that happens before she does... He sort of says to her, like, fuck your list. Go and live your life. I don't want this for you. The only way I could see him saying that would be, like, in a deathbed scene because the Hound is not a sentimental man, so he wouldn't just have that conversation with her. And I hope that she does choose that because the idea of her coming out of all of that shit that she had to endure and then saving everybody and then just immediately going back to King's Landing and killing Cersei, that would 
break my heart. That would be the worst possible ending I could foresee. And you know what? Gendry could come up in the finale to John or Daenerys or whoever's ruling and say, you know what? I, I don't want to be Lord of Storm's End. You you don't that, know. I honestly, yeah. I could see him. He is so in love with her. I could see him doing that for her. And that would be like an understanding of who she is. You could um, have a little forge at Winterfell. I'm still going to have my dream that it ends with them sailing off with the prow of a ship together, looking to find what's west of Westeros. And I am clinging on to that dream. God damn it, if it doesn't happen, I will be lighting up fan fiction sites for years to come because I will feel robbed of something. <laughs> no, okay. I, well, I, 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 just wanna, I, no, I just want to chime in and say that I 100% hope what you're saying comes true. And that I think that that would be a fitting. That'd be the only thing I think that could snap Arya out of it is, like you said, if if the, the hounds, hound. yeah, if the hound is he, he basically kills himself trying to take out the mountain, and he's sitting there in the same manner as we saw in season four, and he's like, listen, revenge and all this shit is not worth it, and you need to just leave it and go, like you said, go live your life, and I think that'd be the only thing that can snap her out of it is having to mercy kill him after he's killed the mountain. Yeah, so, I'm, pre- I'm not, pre- I'm predicting, something... I'm predicting a two man game bowl. I think gray worms part of it now. And it's going to be a callback to the, uh, and, vice. And, and, and that's fine too. Either way it, it, that works too. I mean, I, that would still work within the frame of, of what we're talking about is if, yeah. as long as the hound dies and not, you get what I'm saying. Not immediately dies in the attempt, but right, right. Has, right. A, has a minute afterwards to say, listen, I just spent my whole life hating my brother and it ruined my life. And now I'm dying and I'm, I wasn't happy for hardly any of my life because of all this hatred. And I don't want you to do the same thing. And obviously he's not going to say it that, you know, politely. Yeah. There's going to be lots he of had- bitches. And and see see words drop. Yeah, but, but he yeah. had this this one good thing in his life, and it was his love for her. Right, and, and I, I think there I'm would be something. I'm on board for that. I, I think I'd there would love be. I think there would be something really beautiful in her last kill being for the purposes of ending the pain of somebody she loves, rather I can hear than saying, out of you anger. You remember where, right? You remember where? You remember where the heart is. All right, so I want to take us all back really quick to um, two two things. One, and I want all you guys' input, is Sansa and the Hound's conversation was really – in an episode where we got some crappy writing, some forced action, and the pace was just all over the place. Um, I think the Hound and Sansa's interaction was incredibly important. I think the Hound's the only person on this entire show that can look at Sansa in the eye and say – you were broken rough, and she not bl- bad an eye about it. Okay, but we sure as fuck did. What the fuck was that line about? Well, that's just the hound being the hound. No, that's shitty writing, is what that is. That Do you really? Mess- that's what, okay. Let's talk about it then. You think that's shitty writing? I think that was completely one hundred percent unnecessary and out of character for where the hound has has come to. Like what? <laughs> What was he trying to accomplish by saying that? You know what I mean? Like, I understand these. How do you feel? I mean, I want to get a female opinion on this. Isis, I haven't heard you. Isis, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I I was just actually about to go and put my kid to bed. (laughs) Um, So, sorry, some podcast realness. 
Um, we wrote. Uh, you guys talking about shitty writing? I'm sorry. I'm talking Reg- about what the Hound said to Sansa uh, by saying uh, you were broken in rough, roughly. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that he said anything that wasn't true. I mean, I, I really felt like if you're talking about that scene that they were they were talking about um, in the room and and it looked it, you could see Pod had two girls and under uh, uh, under his which arm, which was I was totally. Which I was totally here for. Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, that is, that's some realness right there. Um, and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he tried to make it a point was like, you know, he really deeply cared about her. And then he tried to, you know, say, oh, well, this would never have happened if you would have came with me or whatever, which I don't buy. It, all that shit would have happened no matter what anyway. Um, you know, but I felt like, you know, her trying to make her point that, you know, oh, well, yeah, well, the, I would have been a little a little bird forever. Um, I mean, I actually kind of agree. I mean, unfortunately, she had to go through some shit just like Arya did because Arya wouldn't be who she is if she if she didn't have the things that happened to her. Um, I mean, we all have those things that happen to us and we we have to either grow from it and move on um, or it, you know, basically keeps you just stagnant well it's clear Sansa has moved on and I I don't feel like I have the right to speak to this so I'll ask our other female panelists Sarah was that out of character for the Hound do you feel would you think it was bad writing um um, I like the conversation and I've seen a lot of complaints online from people saying that the Game of Thrones writers think that women need to undergo trauma to be strong or whatever and first of all that's bullshit because there are plenty of strong women in the show like Olena and Marjorie and Catelyn who grew up with perfectly normal lives who were strong present female characters um what Sansa was saying I mean she didn't need to be abused to become strong but can she change the fact that it happened no can she wallow in what might have been if she'd spent her life being more gently treated no she can't but she can be down well proud of the person she's become despite what everything through it or in life and I think that is what that scene was recognizing and I, I really liked it I like that he still has that concern for her the hound doesn't like bullies he never has he always looked out for Sansa when she was in King's Landing under you know this horrible mistreatment from Joffrey and he's not good at showing affection so he did it in the best way that that he could I really liked that scene, and he I'm really the, glad he, that they reconnected. I was worried that they wouldn't. He was the only Kingsguard that stood up to Joffrey whenever she, Joffrey had his other guys abuse her. Um, I, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, I thought it was organic and natural. Again, I don't feel like I have the right to speak to that kind of situation, but um, hey, I'm a white guy, so I feel entitled. Let me just chime <laughs> in real quick. <laughs> I, I just I feel like Smith was right. It, I, the concept of the scene, what they meant for it to be, was what Sarah and Isis said. Like, yeah, it was, um, you know, my what I what what she should have said, what she how they wanted it to sound was, the stuff that I've been through has you know uh, definitely affected my life, but I've come out stronger, and now I have you know where I'm at now, and you know it's. It's all part of the journey. Instead, what she said was, yeah, those things that happened made me the person I am today. And it's like, that's not true. You were always the person you were. 
you didn't need to have trauma to become that. It just like again boiled down to like a very specific note that they wanted it to hit and then they moved on and i think that's where people were having the issue and that's an issue that they have with set i have with several scenes in this episode was it was boiled down to a specific point instead of the typical nuance or you know flow that you get from characters because the what they said to each other and how they said it and reacted were two totally different things to me (laughs) like the well i mean i think there was yeah, I think it was one of those things, again, and I think we talked about this, like, on the first episode, the season premiere. It's like, okay, we got to hit these blocks, you know, checkbox, 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 you know, and we, we need to do these things so we can go ahead and move on, put a pin in this, or or just let's have this conversation so we can move on. And I, not that they were really necessary. Had they, what What did that conversation do? I mean, I, I guess that's the way I look at it. Like, what would, the the purpose of that conversation? What what did it do? It, see, it, in, in my it, mind, there was really no purpose. Well, in my mind, it said yes. Unfortunately, the, the language broke in rough. Yes, Ramsey did that to her, but she paid him back in spades by having him eaten by his own hounds. She's talking to the hound. It's an it's inside joke, I guess. And then they have their but, moment. But as the audience. But as that's the thing, as a, as the audience, we already know that about Sansa. We watched it. We watched her evolution. So, so did we, we have to, to have the hound out by uh, having the hound doesn't. But what is the ha- but the I, the hound doesn't To be it, honest, the, I think his conversation with both Gendry and Sansa in that episode is going to feed directly into his relationship with Arya over the next two episodes. That's that's my take on it. To be completely honest, because well, they're definitely that, traveling they, together. They definitely touched on what trauma does to a person, and the Hound is partly responsible for Arya's mental state. And I, I think that's going to be something he carries with him. Honestly, that's what I think the main purpose of those scenes were. Not to take anything away from Sansa because she deserved that moment with the Hound, but I'm trying to think in terms of the overall story and how that affects the Hound's thinking because clearly. The next two episodes, or even one episode, he's with Arya, and she's his most important relationship in his entire life. Smith, break in here with some thoughts. I know you're you're, you're about to burst at the seams. Well, I think Ice has sort of touched on it. We're we're back to the the checking boxes uh, bullshit that we had in, in the first episode, and I, I think from from this conversation to. Basically, we had Jamie and Brienne's entire relationship boiled down to, like, two scenes. Um, it just was incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, you know, we dreamed about, or not dreamed, but, you know, we had hoped that Jamie and Brienne would one day, you know, hook up and become a fully functioning, healthy relationship. And that... Which they, we didn't actually get. Which we... We had for about five minutes, and everything looked great. And you know, poor Jamie couldn't get his clothes off, and um, you know, it looked really sincere. And there was a lot of great emotion in those scenes. And credit to to NC Dubs and and um, Gwendolyn and Christie. But I mean, God, the entire relationship went down in one episode, and it was just incredibly frustrating. Because in the past, you know, we would have gotten 
you know, they they're flirting at the at the dinner and then they sleep together and then they have a couple episodes and they're feeling each other out. They're both kind of new to this relationship thing. I mean, Jamie has only been in a relationship with Cersei, and I think we can all agree that's a pretty unique one. So so for him, it, it'd be new ground, too. And so it, we, we would have gotten a couple episodes of them feeling it out. And, you know, Brienne's mad that Jamie always leaves his, you know, his armor in the living room. or you know <laughs> And what they I mean? had a house. Let's be clear. They had a house. They had a townhouse. Yes, they yeah. did. And, and we could have had some wonderful, incredible character moments between those two as they felt out their relationship and tried to see what the other person was really about once they both let their guards down. And instead, we got them hooking up. Five minutes later, they're breaking up because, oh my God, Jamie suddenly realizes that all the armies and the dragons that went down to King's Landing are going to kill Cersei. Like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen, dude? Like, you know Cersei's not going to give up the Iron Throne. And all of a sudden, now you're like, oh, they're going to kill Cersei. I got to go because I actually really love her. It was just some absolute bullshit. And, and again, I don't want to fault the actors for their performances because Gwendolyn Christie was great in that scene. I think that, once again, as you've already talked about, shit writing cost them the moment that they wanted. What they wanted was a Harry and the Hendersons type moment where John Lithgow was like, you get the hell out of here. No one wants you here. You go on again. Ah, and then he turns and then the Bigfoot leaves so we, because because Bigfoot was going to get taken by the by the scientists, the evil scientists. And so he, uh, he he scared him away and it was really sad. And John Lithgow turns around and he's got tears in his eyes and the family's crying. And he says, so long, friend. And, you know, but but he saved Bigfoot. What Jamie did there. Literally the scene from season one. Literally. Yeah. Oh what God. what big what Jamie did was say, listen, Brienne, I'm a bad person. You shouldn't love me. Don't think about me. I don't I don't care about any of this. I'm I, I need to be with Cersei. And then he gets or whatever he actually said. Then he gets on his horse and leaves. If if they would have just taken five seconds to show Jamie looking sad about leaving, then the, yes. everybody'd be like, Oh, that was real sad. It was but emotional whiplash. It was. And it was it, like because I feel like that's what they were going for was that Jamie was lying to Brienne that he does care about Brienne and that he's going to see Cersei because he has to stop her. That's surely to Christ. That is what it is, because I swear well, to I also... God. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead, because I'm probably. I just know. I swear to God is how I'm ending that sentence. It's a fitting end. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so. I kind of I kind of blame Sansa for this a little bit. Um, I oh. felt like Sansa kind of blocked oh, her a little bit. Uh, I was like, "What the hell, Sansa? Did, did you really have to be like, yeah? And your sister is gonna be fucking toast, yeah, bitch? And, I mean, I, I mean, how do you expect him to react to that? And I'm like, no, don't don't yeah, blame Sansa no. for his decision. He Look, knew what was I, happening. Look, yes. Look, if we're going to use know what was happening. You can't just say after everything Daenerys has been saying and her going south to wage war on his sister that one sentence from Sansa, who has every right to want to see Cersei executed, was like, oh, wait, no, they're going to kill my sister, not play a game of fucking chess with her. Like, he already knew what was happening. That's what I was saying. <laughs> yes. That's I, what I was saying. Well, I, Jamie had I'm to go. 
I don't I don't I don't disagree with that. But when it's thrown in front of your face that, hey, your sister's going to fucking turn to toast, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and kill her. I mean, come on. You know, that that really was that necessary. She could have most certainly walked away. I agree with what Isis you're saying is 100 percent right. And that's just it's more dumb shit writing, because just like Sarah said and just like you said, Jamie knew it was going to go down. There's a war. And all of a sudden, he decides because of what Sansa said to go. It's just lazy. Yeah, and I mean, that's Bron- literally why Bron- he stayed. That's literally why he stayed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm- I know, just Bronn said to him early in the episode, I knew your sister was dead the second I saw those dragons. So yes. Sansa's not the only one. Exactly. Yes. Just- and he stayed because he didn't want to see it happen. He stayed in Winterfell because he didn't want to be there when it happened. He knew 100% what was going down. That's why he chose to stay in Winterfell. I'm sorry to Brienne. But that's why he chose to stay, so he wouldn't be a part of it. He wouldn't have to witness it because who wants to see that happen if that's your sister slash girlfriend or baby mama or whatever for the past 20 years. He stayed in Winterfell because he didn't want to see that happen. So to all of a sudden, after we get him hooking up with Brienne, decide he wants to go to King's Landing is bullshit. And it's shitty writing. And I'm sorry, I, I got to stop. It no, I agree. Like- the show was just basically trying to end all of the romantic relationships in one, like, yes. bam, heartbreak, bam, more heartbreak. Look how shit everything <laughs> is before we fix some of it, but you're all going to suffer. It, it felt gratuitous by the time Jamie wrote off on Brienne. Like, how many more couples can we see end? Oh, Miss Sandy's had her head chopped off. Well, great. Love is dead. Goodbye. I do want to bring I do want to broach two that, subjects. Because... Go ahead, Isis. Go ahead. Isis, you there? Isis broke her mic. I'm sorry. (laughs) I apologize. I didn't mean to break in on you, Isis. I apologize. I wanted to, because we're we're getting up over an hour here, and I think that we are throwing a lot of negative shit against the wall and hoping it sticks, um, which it really is. It doesn't doesn't need any help sticking. Um, There are a couple things that I do want to talk about. One, uh, Varys is a hard... Already hard against Danny, right? Can we all agree against to that? Like, like yeah. th- there's no more varies. And he told her, you, you know, my queen. I told you there'd be a day I'd look you in the eye and tell you if you were wrong. And he did it, and she still went against him. And so now varies is all for John. Does everybody get that point? Does everybody yeah. feel that way? Okay, okay. So, and I'm guessing my my other panelists kind of agree if they're not really chiming in. Um. Also, I want to talk about Arya's choice to go to King's Landing in the first place. Um, and, and Sarah, I'd like you to chime in last because you are the Arya expert. So I, <laughs> I'd like to get I'd like to get some of you guys' thoughts. Isis first, if you would please. Do you think Sansa sent Arya to King's Landing on a mission, either to a kill Daenerys for Jon's ascendancy to the throne, or b kill Cersei? I I mean, I would assume that she's going to kill Cersei because she is, you know, she, I mean, she's still doing her kill list. I mean, no matter how we want to put this and frame it, um, I, she wants to kill Cersei. She wants her list to be over with and done and push that, I, I believe, that chapter of her life 
to the side. Why she didn't go with John initially or why she isn't in the front, I, I don't know. I mean, when you got somebody who is like your ace, I, I don't I, I don't know basketball, baseball analogies, but if you got your ace pitcher who killed the Night King, why wouldn't she be on the on a dragon with your queen and be like, y'all bitch, I'm going to need you to roll up early with me so we can go ahead and kill these motherfuckers. <laughs> and then you she can been shot down. Little, she had. You, you, you can go. Why? Why? She more than proved herself. And, and, and this is one of my, again, I'm bashing on the show again, uh, the episode. Why wouldn't you have her at the very, you know, at the front? So that way she can make wi- uh, quick work of this. And, and, you know, but no, here we go. And we got to go and, and try to barter with her, uh, with uh, Cersei and whatever the case may be. I believe that Arya, her desire is to, one, go ahead, make sure she kills Cersei. And if she needs to, if she sees that Danny's a fucking crazy ass person, she will be the, the queen killer. I like the queen killer tag. Um, Smith and Phone. My my question to you is, um, Sansa, Arya wouldn't leave Winterfell without telling Sansa. Obviously, right? They're close enough now. We got that in the first episode. Bone, I'm gonna throw this to you first. Um, you. So my question to you is: Is this a mission from Sansa? That's a great question because I want to say yes because that would be kind of clever. But it's season eight of Game of Thrones, so that's way too clever. So probably not. (laughs) It's probably just her list. Excellent point and excellent answer. Yeah, I mean, it truly, that would be a really nuanced thing to reveal that they, uh, also, even if that's what it is, I will still be pissed off because another important conversation happened off fucking camera and i am i this episode was rife with that but it it was uh sure i i it'd be a lot of fun if she was on a mission you know to from sansa to go south i think it's more likely that she's just following through with her list and it ends up i i really like sarah's idea about like gray worm and because i do think gray worm is going to be involved gray worm and the hound versus the mountain uh, Grey Worm lives. Hound's dying. Asks Arya to kill him because she he he brought that story up on the ride down. He brought up the whole. Yep. If, if I asked you to kill me this time, you do it. She's like, no, and they laugh. Ha ha. Best friends. So uh, super foreshadowing. Yeah, a lot of foreshadowing there. I think that that uh, I I would I think it would be dope as shit if it was a mission from Sansa. It would legitimately be the kind of maneuvering that someone that they're saying is the smartest person in the show in Sansa, which she's, you know, definitely making plays right now. That would be a, a play by her. That would be really smart. So Sarah, I I want you to uh, give me your analysis on this thought. And then we got to wrap it up with, like, I want to talk about Rhaegal's death. Yep. And then I'm going to talk about Masande's death. And then we're going to grade the episode, but give me your analysis on this. Yeah, well, I mean, as I touched on earlier with the whole Gendry proposal, like he basically just, through pure love in her face and she couldn't deal with it. I think Arya's motives are completely separate to the war. I think she sees herself as as alone in the world, despite being surrounded by family at Winterfell. I mean, she doesn't even dress like the rest of the Starks, and we all know that the costumes are a very deliberate choice on Michelle Clapton's part. Um, I think she's 
confused and I, it just made me very unhappy but I, I I don't think it's a mission from Sansa I think Arya thinks at this point well all I am is this list I think she's existing for the sake of vengeance I don't think she's living I think she's afraid of the idea of it everybody she loves gets killed or she loses them she's she spent the last few years immersed in this incredibly tough world where she's just beaten down like physically mentally emotionally um her friends are taken away from her people she cares about are taken away from her i i think this is a, an act of self sabotage and so I, basically you're saying this is john's a targaryen um, Sans is the Lady of Winterfell. Bran's a three-eyed raven, and all I have is this list. Yeah, that's what I, th- I think it is. I think she can. That's interesting. And and the fact that I mean, she wasn't at the celebration, which I, di- I I didn't expect her to be there. I would have been really surprised if she was at the celebration. I think the idea of people lauding her as a heroine, where she sees herself in a completely different light, I just think she can't handle it. I think which she's... was really clunky by Danny once again. I mean, okay, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't want to get us on a tangent. No. <laughs> no, I, I think um, I think she's on a, a mission to self-sabotage because she can't see herself as deserving of love or happiness or life, which is why I'm glad she's with the Hound, because I think he sees that in her. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, Daddy Hound definitely I do. sees it. He, he loves uh, no, her. No, 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 I, no, I, I 100% agree on that. I I guess I'm in disagreement, or maybe not disagreement, but just I I don't necessarily see that self-loathing in, in Arya. It's not self-loathing. It's just a sort of cold acceptance of who she's become. Hmm. But I, she's I, no I, one. I, I don't think there's, there's, there's self-loathing. I think she's very I, I just, confident, but on a, on a very deeper level, emotionally, she's very, very fragile. I just, I, I mean, I... Hmm. I don't know. I guess I I under, I think maybe for me it's more of a she doesn't see a relationship in her future, not necessarily that she's not deserving of it. Is does that make any sense? No, I I, I think she I think she loves Gendry. I and think she does too. Yeah, I think she does. I just and don't I, think I, she I thinks think a relationship like you know. Going out see, to... I, I don't necessarily agree. I think she just thinks she's in this darkness now. She doesn't want to inflict that on any other people. She feels like she exists for this purpose and she's going to fulfill that purpose. And I don't think she can see beyond that purpose. And that's a miserable idea. And it's I don't want it to enti- end that it's way. Been her for entire her. existence yeah. in season two, right? Yeah. This this kill list. This has been her her only aim. It is kept her going it's been a list that she recited to help herself sleep at night and i think she needs to be taken out of that which again is why i said i'm I'm glad she's with the hound because she feels a kinship with him she feels that they are alike but i think the idea of her going down that way would absolutely ruin him honestly very interesting okay let's talk really quick about the Rhaegal death I was not pleased. I thought it was absolute garbage. First of all, um, Smith, I know you've got some some points on logistics. Um, how can you fly so fucking high up in the sky <laughs> and then not see your own Greyjoy ships? And how can Drogon face the army head on and veer away 
when Regal can't. Like, I just don't, it's really bothering the fuck out of me. Well, the answer is stupid writing. Um, but, Durr. like, that honestly, th- yeah, that, that, that little thing. Does anybody ever fucking see Euron Greyjoy coming? Like, what the fuck? Does he have a cloaking device on those <laughs> I, ships? I actually have it <laughs> like, written down seriously. here. Seriously. I have it written down here. He's a Day X battleship. Yeah. So, <laughs> only shows up to drive the plot and leaves. But, like, think about when we've seen him. Okay, when he ambushed Yara and, and everybody en route to Dorne in Season 7. When he ambushed... Uh, the Targaryen fleet outside of Casterly Rock, and then we've got this episode. Like seriously, where? When the fuck? Like what? Is, what did he paint it with? Like some Westerosi magic paint that makes him blend into the sea, or like what the fuck is going on? I don't understand. So, and then you start. I hate to get super nerdy, but I, I, I fucking looked it up today. I did my research, and the maximum effective range on a medieval scorpion was basically a quarter of a mile right so basically you know from here to like five houses down okay i can see a fucking fleet of ships five houses down from my house right now in the dark (laughs) and danny can't see the whole fleet like just sitting there like Hanging hey, out. Your own ship is huge and has all those extra sails on it. Yeah, and they all have the the giant golden kraken painted on it. I mean, it's like as inconspicuous as fucking possible, and yet nobody can ever see the thing coming. And it's just, it's incredibly frustrating. I don't. Again, this this touches to some of the things, uh, other things we've touched on. It's not that we necessarily hate the events that happen; it's that we hate how they happen. And I've never thought that the dragons were going to survive the series, but the way you just killed one was the fucking dumbest thing I ever saw. I mean, Rhaegal literally just fought the army of the dead, got into a smackdown with freaking uh, Viserion, and then all of a sudden he just gets nailed with a bunch of crossbows, and it's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If you were going to kill the dragon, and honestly, Masande, it should have been in the last episode. This you don't yeah. need to convince us that Cersei is evil, right? We know we don't need you don't need to have him pirate around some more to show how evil he is. Like you're, you're there's not enough time to develop the evilness in those characters, so you should have already done it. Cersei's been around long enough. Euron hasn't. He sucks. He's a boring character. He just he's boring. He's and a cartoon character. He's a cartoon, and he's just he's so out of place in the show. And I, in, oh, the the biggest complaint that people had from last episode, aside the fact you couldn't see anything, was that how high were the stakes really? Because even side characters like Masande or Grey Worm that you really don't need to ride out to the end made it through. Podrick, people like that. It's like, okay, but then in the immediate next episode, you kill a fucking dragon and Masande, and in a really weird way, like with her in chains and shit, like that was just strange. But like, there's unnecessary, gratuitous almost. Yeah, just it's, ugh, it's so lame. Like, I, I can't, we're getting dangerously close to ABC Lost level of final seasons here. So don't do that to me. 
Sorry. Did you just have too many burritos from Taco Bell or what? Yeah, what the hell was that sound? The lost <laughs> talking about lost ending on Game of Thrones just gives me gas. Listen, anyway. This is all gonna end. John John's gonna end up being a lumberjack in Alaska, like somewhere. <laughs> like Dexter. Like Dexter. Oh god. And he'll have a little tear go down his eye. No, John's gonna ride a dragon directly into an oncoming semi. Just, just, <laughs> just like, arms way why you gotta go there, man? Why you gotta go there? I'm just I'm listing shows that went off the rails and and <laughs> this one's getting pretty damn close. <laughs> the funny thing is, is the, all those shows hung around too long. Yeah, and, that's and a Game great of Thrones point. and Game of Thrones is going out too early. Yeah, well, and this is not the first time this has happened on HBO either. Boardwalk Empire, you know, amen, the, amen, amen. Those guys quit Boardwalk to go make fucking vinyl, and the last ep- the last like season got cut down to six or seven episodes, and it was half you know in the past with new actors, and 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 they were able to get a good finale episode out of it, but overall the last season just felt so out of place and strange on a show that was truly groundbreaking. Don't even and, talk about Rome. Yeah, Rome, where they cut. Yeah, the but budget. Rome was a, Rome was a budget thing, and and, and I think too with. With Boardwalk Empire not having seen it, at least it sounds like they had some other plan that they wanted to tackle. But oh, well, what the fuck you know, is their Vinny excuse on Game of Thrones? Confederate, so they don't give a shit no, about Game of Thrones. they're not making that anymore. show anymore. Thank God, because they're, the lack Star of Wars subtlety. Is what's next. Star Wars is hey, what's next. They sacrificed 10 episode seasons so they could pump most of their budget into battles. It's bullshit. Which is I'm... kind of funny because the best battle we've ever seen was Bob, which was in a ten episode season. Yeah, yeah or, any of yep. the battles, any of the battles in the ten episode seasons, you can't tell me are leaps and bounds. You know, you you can't say the Battle Even of Winterfell. Blackwater. Right, you can't say that the the Battle of Winterfell, as great as it was, and it was great, was leaps and bounds. Let's sacrifice three to four episodes per season better than Bob or Battle of Blackwater or any of the other, or uh, even the battle at the, at Castle Black, right? None of, I I don't think any of those battles were leaps and bounds worse than the battle of Winterfell to where I would sacrifice three to four episodes per season and, and ruin the pacing and the flow that we got, that we've grown adjusted to just so that we can have, the dragons battling above the clouds or something like that. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Think we'd, I think we'd all have a lot less complaints if they put 10 episodes in season 7 and 10 episodes in season 8 and given the characters who I mean that's what we all come back for yes. enough breathing space to actually it's, be who they are I don't ex- watch the show I've said this a hundred times, I don't watch the show for the battles the battles are great, it's not why I watch the show I can get that shit in a Fast and the Furious movie or a fucking <laughs> Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever, but it's got dinosaurs fighting each other. I can get that shit elsewhere. I, I come to Game of Thrones for the story, the pacing, and the characters. And to see them abandon that in the last two seasons is just absolutely frustrating when there's no reason whatsoever that they had to do that. They HBO would have killed to have more episodes. They would have given them the budget, and they decided not to because they just, for whatever reason, they thought it would be better to do it in less episodes, and it just blows my freaking mind. Fewer. Anyway, um, let's talk about really quick um, episode grades. I'm, I can kind of feel that not a lot of people enjoyed this episode. Um, 
we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. Isis, we haven't heard from you in a minute. Um, give me your quick hot take grade on this episode. I hate watched it. So I would say that it was very low. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally watched it. I didn't even yes. watch it. It was, it was just, I, I didn't have anything to say. It, you know, you know what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. There was nothing nice to say about I this. I hate read so, the leaks. That's how much I hate this episode. I hate read the leaks. No, I, I well, I didn't read the leaks. I didn't. I, I knew they were out there. You warned us um, that they were out there. Um, I purposely stayed away, and um, and I, I mean, I knew pretty early on that I wasn't going to like this episode, and it continued and it continued and continued uh, for seventy-eight minutes, I believe. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, for me, it's, you know, my initial, vi- like, ri- visceral reaction is um, worst episode um, on Game of Thrones. I think we still have two more episodes to go. So, you know, so I don't want to put wrong. it. I, I mean, <laughs> Benioff and Weiss can prove me wrong. So I, I don't. But I, I really, really. The, the only thing that I enjoyed from the story. Oh, by the way, I didn't get to say this. And and Brienne's one of my favorite characters. Love that she got some booty. Hate the fact that the what happened, you know, with what's his name leaving. I don't think it was really fair um, to her, but I, I feel really bad for her. But the only person whose storyline stayed consistent in this whole entire episode to me was Arya. That was Agreed. that is the only character that stayed true. Agree. That that yes. was due north. Everybody else was completely off kilter for either time constraints or wanting to hit boxes Great that point. never really exist. I mean, Brienne wore a house coat to, to, to beg Jamie to go. Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. looking ass. I cried. Look, I'm not going to lie. I had a little tear in my eye for Brienne because really it really just that killed me i mean she was she was so happy and then to see torment like he was legit broken up but he accepted the fact yeah he but he accepted the fact and that i mean let's go and talk about how a great character he is because he genuinely showed that he was crushed even though he was like okay i'm on to the next lady oh but Um, let's send him off to castle black to wander around until the snow (laughs) yeah uh, I will say this. The only other thing that I don't know if we talked about it um, is Braun showing up. That really fucking confused me. Yeah, we hit it. Other, we talked it. We hit that. Yeah, I, I didn't um, I didn't get it. But again, Arya was the only consistent thing that is keeping me from calling it a complete failure. Um, I'll jump in real quick with my grade. I would give this episode a probably D. Um, just, just, a, just a D. Um, it wasn't great. It wasn't good. There were some good character moments. I did enjoy watching the game revealed where it said that David Nutter had run up to uh, Sophie Turner during the uh, burial scene and said, "This is this is this is your last time saying goodbye to Alfie Allen. This is it." And so, like Sophie Turner, actually, that funeral scene is Sir Sophie Turner actually crying. Which is amazing. I love that. And then that little, that little dire wolf pen she gave him. I was in tears from the from the get go, and it gave me high hopes because Amelia Clark. I want to know what Amelia Clark said. What what Danny whispered to Jorah, right? Did like you I'll, read about that? No. What was, what was it? What was it? Okay, so 
grab a tissue. So what they said was in the script, they left the line blank. And um, Ian Glenn, who plays Jorah, said that they left the line up to Amelia and that she said something to him that was very personal. Like she didn't just say blah, 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 blah. She, she made up her own line about their journey on the show and that it was oh. that it's always going to stay between her and him and he won't reveal it. And then it that it's it was about their journey on the show. And that's well, always one gonna... of the first ones to know about her, her brain aneurysms because they worked together from season one on. So he knew Correct. about them before. I think even before being off of Weiss knew. Yeah. But, so um... he he said that it was it was completely between them. He'll never reveal it. But that she did make up. She she did give a touching line of dialogue that was meant only for him so well there were some beautiful moments in this episode but again i can't forgive the 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 start the, the stark's gone bad basically um i can't forgive Rhaegal's death and i can't honestly i can't forgive Yaron Greyjoy being an overly cartoonish character getting away with everything all he needs is a mustache where he just twirls it a de- and call him Euron dastardly deeds or whatever and uh, you would have the perfect cartoon villain. Um, I'm not happy. And I hope episode uh, 805, which Amelia Clark says, you need to get a big TV to watch because this is going to be a big episode. I hope it's just not hype. I hope it's actually legit. So, Phone, where do you have this? I know you have it low. Yeah, it's not great. The It's funny because you guys were talking about the scenes you liked the most. They all happened in, like, the first 10 minutes. <laughs> like, that was the best <laughs> parts of the episode was the – Seeing the aftermath of uh, the battle and seeing them in the chamber together, you know, that's when the show, you know, can work so well is when the characters get to play, you know, off each other more. I'm going to give it a D minus. And the only reason I'm not giving it an F is because they left the door open for some cool stuff to happen. They totally assassinated some characters. They gratuitously assassinated some characters as well. Uh, but I. I think that there's still plenty that could be cool. I uh, I think the biggest ball drop we didn't even talk about, and that's that we still don't know what Bran has ever done, and yeah. probably, we probably won't ever know. Let's. I don't want to get into it now. There's we no can't. point. There's no there, way. There's, there's no, no time. We don't. We've gone too long, and there's a, a a shitload long list of things that Bran maybe did that could have done blah 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 that he didn't do and he's useless so um he gave this he gave the dagger to aria and but you know who else could have done that uh fucking ups so <laughs> i i do think that i don't know if you guys saw or not but somebody slowed down the film and read lips for what danny said to to jora did you see that smith i didn't no i didn't i okay. hadn't heard that it, it was, she said to be sure to drink your Ovaltine. It was just a fucking ad. It wasn't. Yeah, no, I, I give a it a crummy ad. A D minus. Yeah, crummy ad. D minus. One of the worst episodes. And it came at one of the worst times. Uh, and I, I just feel really bad for the actors who had to say those shit lines. What was it that Han, that, uh, I said Han Solo, that Harrison Ford said to George Lucas, said, George, you can write this shit, but nobody can say it. Like, that's <laughs> yep, kind of yep, how I yep, felt yep. about this episode. Sarah, I know you've got a different take on this. Um, I mean, I was entertained by parts of it. I liked, 
Kit Harrington's performance in the beginning when he gave the funeral speech. I thought Bran's little conversation with Tyrion that made me feel quite emotional. It sort of drove home exactly how much Bran has lost. I mean, you know, he lost the use of his legs and he gained powers, but then those powers took the essence of him away. And I just feel like he's been given a really shitty deal. And so that that part was nice. Um, Arya remains my biggest reason for watching this show. I feel intensely connected to her. Um, her little face when Gendry proposed just killed me. Um, I still have hope for them. Um, so there were parts I really liked. There were some really nice small character moments, but those small moments together don't come together to make an episode. And there were definite problems with this one. Um, you're on. I just want to see that guy taken out. I don't give a shit who does it. It can be that burned-faced little girl who was all talk about fighting the whites <laughs> and the cribs and then didn't show up when the time came. She could do it. Cersei could do it. He could step on a rake and get bashed in the head and die. I don't care. I just want to see him gone. He annoys me. He is pointless. He he is... Oh, I, I can't even verbalize how much I hate that guy. The only person I hate more than him is the white who knocked Arya into a wall because how fucking dare he. <laughs> so I I'd give it like a I'd give it like a C minus. I was entertained just fine. I understand why they made some of the choices. I just don't think that they had the time to do them justice. And I feel like we were denied a lot that they just let us assume happened off screen that we really should have been allowed to see. Also, Jamie and Brienne's thing just that was way too fast. It way was, too fast. Was very poorly handled considering the years of build-up to that relationship and the, the obvious love that they have for each other. It just felt stampeded away. It felt like he was backtracking in his arc. And so I am interested in seeing where they take it, but also at this time, like, fuck that dude. <laughs> Corey Smith, usually in the past, we've been able to say, yeah, this was a bad episode, but you know what? It's still Game of Thrones. Can we even say that about no. this episode? No. Not at all. Um, I think, like what Sarah just said, you know, a couple great moments here or there don't make a good episode. And that's, you know, basically all this episode had going for it. It had a couple good moments here or there, and the rest was just dog shit. Um, I I said earlier today, um, if this had been a season one episode, and and I, I understand, like, obviously some of the gravity and weight of the situations wouldn't be the same. But if this had been an episode early on in the series, I don't think I would have kept watching. Um, it was just, a, you know, I, I just, it was just a terrible, terrible episode. And perhaps made even worse by the fact that we only have two episodes left after this. And so, you know, maybe you could argue that, you know, if we had more episodes to go, they could kind of repair this damage. But it's you, we've got two episodes to go, and we know next episode is basically going to be, you know, the Battle well, of King's Landing. So Pochnik's back for for a big battle. So correct. So basically, we've got. I'm. I mean, I'm sure we'll get some character moments during next week's episode. But next week's episode is going to be entirely a battle um, episode. So you know that means you're leaving us with essentially one episode to repair the damage you just did. Um, and not just this episode, but earlier this season and, and going back to season seven. So 
They've, I'm I'm incredibly worried for what they've they've got in store for us. It's really really sad. Um, I'm not. I mean, everybody that watches the show with me, all my friends and family, they kind of all feel the same way uh, to one degree or another. But nobody that I know enjoyed the episode, and that's kind of you know telling. I mean, if that's nobody, indicative across the fan base right now. Yeah, it's it's like if nobody enjoyed it, you know, there's plenty of episodes where we're like, oh, I didn't like this, I didn't like that, whatever, but we all kind of enjoyed it, and this episode was just total dog shit. I mean, like like Isa said, I hate-watched it, and afterwards I went to bed pissed off, and so <laughs> I'm I'm really scared for what we got left. Um, yeah. I mean, if, Cosmopolitan, if you, just to give you an idea of how universally, like, like, panned this episode is, Cosmopolitan Magazine has an online article that's titled so fans think this season of game of thrones sucks <laughs> it's like wow cosmo is going cosmo. in right now so we're we're in a dark place let's really hope they pull out of the nosedive i'm i'm sure the battle the battle it'll be fine you know in a vacuum i'm sure it'll be it'll be it'll be thrilling um but you know i was reminded yeah, i saw avengers uh, in game this weekend and it was just like, you know, I'm watching that movie and it's like, this is how you do it. This is how you stick the landing of something you've been building towards for 10 years and how, <coughs> excuse me, how you really make people feel for the relationships between the characters, right? Um, even if you just look at, spoiler alert. Even if you just whoa, look whoa, at whoa, 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 whoa. not Avengers in the in game spoilers. Hey, we're a week, even Marvel said I can spoil it at this point, okay? I mean is the past... Spider Man trailer actually spoiled it. That's true, it, so. you're right. It's okay, past but Monday. You're right. You're right. I'm you're not getting right. into details. But listen, even just the, the relationship between Tony Stark and Spider Man in the movie, which is fairly new to that universe, that even that made you feel something. And it's like you connected with these characters, you didn't rush anything. It's a three-hour movie, and you said, fuck it. We're going to make a three-hour movie, and fuck anybody who cares. We know that this is a good movie, right? And it's frustrating to see Game of Thrones say, meh, we're just going to rush everything and hope everybody likes it, when they could have just said, they could have just said, fuck y'all, we're going to make two 10-episode seasons. We're going to make two 20-episode seasons. And don't we have like three hours left? Isn't it? What is it? It's um. It's essentially about three hours left. Yeah. We have three hours of Game of Thrones left now. Two um, hours and forty-five minutes or something. So yeah, it's gonna. It's, it, it, it's gonna be scary. It's just, it's just frustrating to see them go out on terms like this when they when they could have done. Bas- they they basically had the keys to do whatever they wanted, and they for whatever reason, decided not to, and this is the shit that we're left with. And it's very frustrating after spending this much time with the characters that we all, you know, everybody here loves this character or that character and has their reasons for it. And it, it's really disappointing that this is the way we're going to finish it out. Well, Coy Smith, thanks for joining the podcast tonight. <laughs> thanks for... <laughs> We were already depressed, and Smith just came in and it was like full Eeyore, so thanks. <laughs> My bad. Anyway, My bad. Um, so guys, we're going to be back next week on Monday to talk about episode 805. I would love to hear some of your guesses as to what the titles are going to be. 
Um, the last of the Starks came out of left field for me. I, I guess I understand where it came from, but whatever. Um, also, let us know what you would like to talk about, some theories, maybe what's going on in the final two episodes. Hey, is the Night King coming back? No. But it still would be fun to talk about. <laughs> so, for myself, for Sarah, for Isis, for Corey Phone, and Corey Smith, I am House Razor on Twitter. This has been Take the Black. Vlad Morabulas.